Amen. Amen. I will rejoice in the simple gospel. I will rejoice in you. That's some serious rejoicing, right? I, I don't know where your life's at at this point right now, but I tell you what, you can rejoice in who God is, and you can rejoice in the simple gospel that God loved you enough to die for your sin and is right now preparing a perfect forever for you right now. That is some incredible good news. I tell you, I, I want to thank uh, Courtney for uh, uh, her work she did on Compassion Sunday. It, it, it was so awesome not to have to think about anything. Let, let her just run with it. She did a great job. And I tell you, if you were here last Sunday in the room beforehand at like 845, you would have thought we were all going on vacation. The excitement was just great because I think we get excited because we're made in the image of God and God is a servant and God reaches out with great compassion. And it was so much fun uh, last week. Well, this morning we are kicking off our, our brand new message series called Flipping the Script. And what we're going to do for the, for the next six weeks is we're going to look at some of the lies that we may have believed, and then we're going to look at God's truth that has the power to, to set us free. And, and listen, whether you, whether you know it or not, a lot of us have believed lies. Now, now, we don't know they're lies, because if we knew that they were lies, then we wouldn't believe them in the first place. However, because we believe them, We've ended up living our lives by them. And, and here's the thing about a lie. Once you believe it to be true, it can have the same power over you as if it were true, even though it's not. In other words, the, the lies you believe have the power to determine the story that you live. And, and here's the truth. Some of us in this room are are living the wrong story because we keep reading from the, from the wrong script, from a, from a script that is false, from a script that is a lie, but a script that we've accepted as truth. I, I want to give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. Now, these aren't significant lies. They don't have any major impact in our lives. However, they, they serve as an example of believing a lie, how it can give it the power of truth in our lives. One example would be carrots. Carrots. But when you're trying to motivate your children to eat carrots, you might say something like this. Carrots will improve your, your eyesight, right? Except that's not true, right? They don't. Carrots don't improve your eyesight. And I know many of us have eaten carrots and we forced our children to eat carrots because we believe that lie. We live by that lie that carrots will improve our eyesight. Now, now I did a little research this week on Smithsonian.com and I found out that this lie about carrots is actually rooted, and this sounds made up, uh, but it's rooted in World War II propaganda. You see, the British Royal Air Force had just started putting radar on their airplanes, and they became very proficient at their nighttime bombing, but they did not want the enemy to know they had radar on their airplanes, so they launched this lie that the reason their pilots were doing so good at night is because they were eating carrots. And there's a poster. And apparently, one of the authors, or writers for Bugs Bunny cartoons, heard that carrots will improve your eyesight, from this World War II propaganda and believed it to be true. And so he worked it into the cartoons. 
And now millions of homes are hearing from Bugs Bunny, right? You got to trust Bugs, that carrots will improve your vision. And somewhere along the line, it, it just became true. And so millions of children and adults eat carrots in hopes of improving their vision. But it's not true. It's not true. However, because we believe it, it now is the power of truth in our lives. That is to say, we live by it. We eat carrots. Another example is a lie I believed until a few months ago. That wounds need to breathe in order to heal. Like I said, I believe that till very recently because that's what my mom told me. I believed it for 50 years. However, when I had minor surgery back on June 11th and I was wanting uh, that toe to heal really quick because I was two weeks out from leading a, a, a team of students in Brazil on a mission trip, I did some research. And guess what I found out? That's a lie. And, and In fact, I found out that exposing a wound to the air actually slows down the healing process. And it promotes cell death. And that it's only when wounds are kept moist and covered that blood vessels regenerate faster and that the number of cells that cause inflammation drop more rapidly. Therefore, it's best to keep a womb moist and covered. And that's what I did. Sorry, Mom. Uh, one final example of a lie that many people believe and is therefore affected how they live. Again, and not significant, Right? Not a lot of implications, but a lot of us were told growing up that we could not swim after eating because it's not safe. And so as a kid, I remember getting out of the pool to grab a snack, and my mom would tell me, hey, you have to wait 20 to 30 minutes before you can start swimming again. Now, how many of you had a rule kind of like that or some variation of it, right? A lot of us. And maybe your mom... You know, said what my mom told me, Stephen, if you want to go back in the pool, you have to wait or else you're going to cramp up, right? And you can either wait 20 minutes or you can wait until next week to get into the pool. And so I waited, except you don't have to. Like it doesn't work that way. It's not true. Understand, swimming after eating does not increase your risk of muscle cramps. So it's not dangerous or risky. Now, some of you hear that, and you hear me say it's not true, and still part of you is like, mm, yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. And, and if we don't have, you know, if we're not medically trained to answer that question, why do we believe it's true? A couple of reasons. Number one, uh, when a lie is widely accepted, it, it's pretty easy to buy into. I mean, it must be true, right? Everybody believes it. And another reason is because there's people in our lives who have been telling us that it's true for years. Like my mom, 50 plus years, Stevie, you got to let your wound breathe in order for it to heal. And so it's hard to recognize something like that. Like, I just always accepted it. I always believed it. I lived by it. I mean, I would pull off those Band-Aids and I would let those suckers breathe. They need to breathe. And I got to tell you, when I kept my toe covered up just recently, man, they were crying out, Steve, we need to breathe. We need to breathe. And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's a lie. That's a lie. Get behind me, Satan, right? You know, and I kept that sucker covered and, and it kind of like worked, right? But it, it's hard to change. It wasn't until I looked more closely at the truth. And listen, if we we're only talking about eating carrots, swimming after you eat, or letting your wounds breathe the hill, it would not be a big deal. But, but here's what I, what I want you to consider. 
Is it possible that we have believed some more significant lies that have had a very significant impact? Is it possible that we've accepted some things to be true that may not be true at all? And in turn, they've impacted the way that we live in a very real way. They, they changed the course of the story that God intended for us to live. Again, it's one thing to buy into the lie uh, that you can't swim after eating. But what if you buy into the lie that you'll never be good enough, that you make too many mistakes, that things will never change, that, that God doesn't care about you? But what if you buy into the lie that no one really cares about you, that you might as well just give up, that you deserve to be happy? What if you buy into the lie that you can handle these things on your own, that you can quit any time you want, that no one will ever find out? Now understand, if you believe those kind of lies, it is a big deal. Because the lie you believe has the power to determine the story that you live. And listen, as I said earlier, the truth is that some of us are living out the wrong story because we keep reading from the wrong script, accepting lies as the truth. Is it possible that you may have done that in your own life? I understand the Bible is very clear about the fact that, that you and I, that we have an enemy. And this enemy has one goal when it comes to your life. To kill, to steal, and to destroy the full and abundant life that Jesus bought for you on the cross. That is the enemy's goal for your life. Now, why would he even bother with you? <laughs> because as John Eldridge so powerfully points out in his book, Waking the dead, some of you need to hear this. You're not what you think you are. There's a glory to your life that the enemy fears, and he's hell-bent on destroying that glory before you act on it. And listen, one of his ways, one of his favorite weapons, one of his favorite uh, strategies in destroying the glory, destroying the life that God wants you to live, is by getting you to buy in and live by a lie, because he knows if he can do that, then he has you. Then he has you. Your story will be derailed, and your glory will be untapped. Check out what Jesus says about this enemy in John chapter 8, verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I understand, whenever your enemy opens his mouth, the language he speaks is lies. I mean, everything he says is a lie. He, he, he twists the truth. He clouds clarity. He, he is the, a master manipulator. And listen, he's been lying to mankind for a long time, from the very beginning. From Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, he's been lying for a long time. And let me tell you, he is really, really good at getting people to believe his lies. So in this series, what we want to do is spend some time uncovering a few of his favorite lies. Lies that he may have repeated to you again and again and again and again. Lies that he's gotten a lot of people to believe. 
Lies that because so many people believe them and told you that they're true are difficult to recognize. In fact, the only way that we can really recognize these lies is by knowing the truth, right? And we all know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and Jesus, just a, a few verses before he, he talked about the father of lies in John chapter 8, he said these words in John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believe in him, that would probably be some of us in this room, right? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what God wants to see happen during the next six weeks. Understand, God, your creator, Lord and Savior wants, number one, for you to recognize the lies, maybe lies that you're actually living by, and number two, then, then he, he wants to set you free through his truth, through his teachings, releasing you from the enemy's script. Understand, Scripture is our script cure. It's our script cure. It's the cure. It's the antidote for you overcoming the lies of the enemy, right? Which is a very good motivation to be, to be in that book. Amen? Right? Amen. Like I said, we're calling this flip the script. And listen, flipping the script is about turning a circumstance around. It's about doing the unexpected. It's about changing your story. It's about embracing a new mindset. Flipping the script, it's about God's truth. It's about his scripture becoming the script for your life. Turn to the person to the next to you, behind you, around you, under you, whatever, and tell them, flip the script. <clears throat> flip the script. And I want to encourage you during the next six weeks to Look for ways to work that phrase into your everyday life as you look for opportunities to flip the script. For example, let's say tomorrow morning you wake up and you're like, man, I hate Mondays. It's going to be such a long, rough, terrible, horrible, boring day. But then a new mindset begins to hit you. And you say, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to turn my circumstances around. I'm going to do the unexpected. I'm going to change today's story. I'm going to flip the script. I actually did that this morning. You know, believe it or not, sometimes I wake up bummed out on a Sunday morning, right? And I was feeling kind of bummy this Sunday. And, you know, and I was leaving my, driving to my car, feeling kind of bummed out. I go, whoa, you know what? No, wait a second. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to flip the script because it doesn't matter, right? Because Jesus is Lord. And, and you know what? It changed my attitude. It changed my attitude. It turned it around almost instantly. Don't keep telling yourself it's going to be a horrible day. Find a new script and start reading from it. And understand, that's what we need to do because for many of us, you know, we've, we've lived by these lies that the enemy has fed us. I mean, some of you have been reading off the wrong script for years. But now we're going to begin to replace his lies with God's truth that can set us free. And in the coming weeks, we're going, to, we're going to learn how to flip the script on lies like this. You can't really make a difference. Next week is Freedom Sunday. Um, 
following that, you can handle this on your own. Ever think that way? Uh, how about you deserve to be happy, right? You ever believe that lie? How about this lie? You'll never change. Or this lie, you should just give up. And you understand, there's a lot more lies because he's a, he's a, his, his language is quite extensive and, and maybe in the future we'll have a sequel to flip the script, right? But today I, I want to address what I think is one of his favorite lies, if he has a favorite, and it's this. You don't have what it takes. And I mean, he just hammers you at this every single day. You don't have what it takes. You'll never be good enough. You don't measure up. You can't do anything right. You will never be blank. You will never do blank because you just don't have what it takes. I said, that's what he does. He, he feeds you these lines. He hands you this script day in and day out. And in his script, you are not valuable. You are not capable. You are not qualified. You are not competent. You don't measure up. Yeah, morning, noon, and night, he says, read this. Read this. Read this. You don't have what it takes. You never will measure up or be good enough. And if you keep reading the script, if you keep reciting his lines, you will begin to give tremendous power to this lie. Now, we need to understand that he has several different strategies for communicating this lie. One very effective way is by using critics. I think you get what I'm talking about, right? Satan, the great dragon, the liar, the thief, puts people in your life who will feed you the line, you don't have what it takes. And, and, and for some of you, tragically, in this room, the people who first fed you this, this lie are the very ones that God intended would, would, would speak life into you. Your parents, your mom, your dad, your stepmom or stepdad. I mean, they took this lie, they took this script right out of Satan's wicked hands and they told you in various ways that you don't have what it takes. Why can't you be more like your brother? Can't you do anything right? You always disappoint me. You'll never amount to anything. When will you ever get your act together? You don't have what it takes. He doesn't just use parents, right, to, commun to communicate the lie. He uses spouses and ex-spouses and children and in-laws and brothers and sisters and friends and ex-friends and, and teachers and coaches and church members and pastors. I understand, he will use any critic that he can find to steal and kill and destroy life in you, to hand you a script that says you don't have what it takes. Question, are there any critics in your life who've been feeding you this lie? And listen, your enemy, he's so skilled and crafty that, that will, he will even get you to be your own worst critic. I mean, he will get you to take the script from him and you will actually tell yourself, I don't have what it takes. I always mess things up. I'll never get it right. I always, always screw up 
and blow things apart. Check out the, these two quotes from, for two uh, theologians. First is from Charles Spurgeon. Beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. And another theologian by the name of Jay-Z, he said this. It, okay, I'll read it. Um, there you go. I'm losing myself. I'm stuck in the moment. I look in the mirror. My only opponent. You don't have what it takes. You use his critics. You also use his circumstances. You attempt something and you fail. Things don't turn out the way that you want. I mean, every time you try, the, the bad stuff just keeps piling on and on and on. Question, have circumstances, have the way things have turned out, have failures, ever caused you to believe the lie that you don't have what it takes? I mean, you must not, right? Because <laughs> why are things so messed up? Why did things end up so bad? I mean, if you have what it takes, right, then, then you would not be where you are. And things would have turned out differently. But listen, you need to remember that failure is an event, not a person, right? It's an event. It's not a person. Therefore, you are not your failures and you are not your circumstances. All right? Some of you need to hear that this morning. You are not your failures and you are not your circumstances. Get it? Good. Hey, check out what these three guys you know, the, here's three guys who no doubt had to fight off these lies that they don't have what it takes. First is a guy named Dr. Seuss, right? And, and his first book was rejected by 27 different publishers, right? You don't have what it takes. Rejection. You don't have what it takes. Rejection. Walt Disney. He was rejected 300 times when he tried to get funding for, for Disneyland. Here's another guy, Vincent Van Gogh. He only sold one painting his entire life, and that one, I think a friend felt sorry for him and bought it, right? But despite that, he kept painting and wound up painting 800 pieces. And his most expensive piece of art is valued at $147 million. It's in our living room if you'd like to check it out sometime. <laughs> Don't let your failures and your circumstances define you. Right? But you should learn from him. A third strategy is that he uses comparison. And as I said many times before, now more than any time in history, we live in a culture of incessant comparison. Right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, don't compare yourself with yourself. It's not wise. And we get that, right? Yeah, it's not wise, but yet it's hard not to do. And listen, with the rise of social media, I, I think it's almost impossible to avoid the comparison trap. Raise your hand if you're on any type of social media. Just stick it up high. Don't be ashamed. No judgment in this room. All right. Um, now, there are great things about social media. I'm on it. I like it. I'm not against it. But I want you to understand, to make sure you understand what it is. It's not real. It's just a facade. It's just a lot of people putting out the best versions of themselves. Question. Do you think that's a healthy thing to give your heart to and your mind to and your eyes to on a daily basis, multiple times a day, just to see the best versions, the highlight reels of everybody else's life? I mean, do you think that's a good idea? I mean, it'd be like getting somebody's Christmas letter like every day, right? 
I, I don't mind every year hearing about what a great year you had and all your accomplishments, your great adventure, but I don't want to hear it every day, right? Not every day. It's not a good thing, I think, for the most part, for us to give our hearts and our minds and our thoughts of just hearing the best versions of everybody we know. But I get it. I, I mean, we'll always just naturally post what we want other people to see, right? That's why we post it. So when you scroll down through Facebook or Instagram, just know that it's not real, that it's a comparison trap. And, and, and just know that it, it, can, it can give more weight to your enemy, right, when everybody else seems to have it going on, when he whispers in your ear that you don't have what it takes. You know, I, I wish we could just change the name of some of the social media sites. And then we would know that it's a lie. Like instead of Facebook, we could call it facade. You know, like, hey, are you on facade? Do you have a facade account? I, I think I've seen you on facade. Can we be facade friends? You know, I, I wish we called it facade. Then we would all know, right, that it's not real. And maybe we could call Instagram mirage, right? But, like, hey, I haven't posted lately in my mirage account, but... What a great picture of myself, you know. I'm going to post that on there right now to my Mirage account. Yeah, if we called it Mirage, we'd look at it differently and know that it's not real. But the truth is we don't always recognize it as that. And instead, we just keep staring at those airbrushed versions of other people's lives, and it just makes us feel insecure, discontent, like we don't have what it takes. So if you're feeling that way, I mean, if you're feeling like you don't have what it takes, then I would encourage you to limit some of this in your life. To just kind of guard your heart and guard your thoughts when it comes to this stuff. Those pictures, you know, those posts, they're not real. They're not real. Without exception, every single person you see out there is struggling. And it makes it really hard for us as a people to be vulnerable and broken when we are surrounding ourselves with veneer versions of other people's lives on a regular basis. And, and you know how I, I know that's true? Because it happens all the time in church. Understand, church can be a lot like social media. I mean, everybody comes in wearing the best version of themselves and nobody really knows what anyone else is struggling with. But listen, here's what I know. Just about everybody in this room is struggling with something. Everybody is broken in some way. And yet if you're in a culture, if you're in an atmosphere where you don't see that, it's almost impossible to find any kind of health or any kind of healing. Because if you can't be vulnerable and broken, you don't have a chance. And if you're surrounding yourself constantly with these idyllic images and identities that aren't even real, you just need to know, you need to know that it's dangerous to your intended life story. I mean, there's been studies done that say that when, when someone has financial struggles, they, they will post pictures of like going on a shopping trip, or if they're having marital struggles, they'll wind up posting pictures of that great romantic date, or if they just broke up and are now single, they'll, they'll post new selfies of themselves, all dressed up and smiling. Why? They don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to see past the mask that inside they're lost, they're broken, and they're hurting. You don't have what it takes. It's a lie communicated by critics, circumstances, and comparison. Now let's flip the script. 
Now, 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 one of the main reasons that our enemies' lies are so convincing is because there's some truth to them. You see, when you read, you don't have what it takes, you know, that's like true. But what makes it a lie, it's not the whole truth. That's what makes it a lie. Understand, the truth is you don't, what it ha- you don't have what it takes, but the whole truth is in Christ Jesus, you do. And listen, when it comes to flipping the script, it should come as no surprise that Jesus was the master at flipping the script. I mean, right after his baptism by John and the Jordan, the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness, and Satan came with a bunch of scripts to hand Jesus that were not at all the script that Jesus put on flesh to play out. And so he feeds Jesus line after line. Common lies. Jesus, you are what you do. Turn these stones to bread. Jesus, you are what you have. I'll give you the riches of the world. Jesus, you are what other people think of you. Throw yourself down for the temple so people can see you and praise you. And you know what Jesus did? He flipped the script with Scripture. Man shall not live on bread alone. You should worship the Lord your God only. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So, so, so how do you flip the script of Satan that says you don't have what it takes? Same way Jesus did. Remember, Scripture is your script cure. And the Scripture that flips the script when you don't want to have it take, you don't have what it takes, is from Ephesians 2, chapter 10. For we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so you flip the script. And the next time the enemy tells you, you don't have what it takes, you say, yeah, that may be true. But in Jesus Christ, I do, right? All right? Let's put that up there. You got to have that head bob with it, too, because that's really important. Do we have that screen? Bibbidi-bobbidi, boop. Bibbidi-bobbidi, not. Bibbidi-bobbidi, bop. All right. Maybe we don't have that. Yeah, that may be true, but in Jesus Christ, I do. I mean, seriously. How could you not have what, you, what it takes when you're the workmanship of the creator of heaven and earth. I mean, will God make something halfway? Will God make something lacking? And, and how could you not have what it takes when they're good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, right? Now, the word prepared is a really cool word. It's a word used of sending a servant out to make sure that everything was ready for a king's arrival, to make sure the king had safe passage. So all the king would have to do was show up, Right? It's kind of like what the Secret Service does when our president goes somewhere, right? Weeks and months in advance, they, they make sure that all he has to do is, is show up. But the wild thing about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, is God flips the script, right? And he uses that word not to talk about what his servants do for him, but what he does for his servants. Understand, he is a God who fights the battle for us. He is a God who makes a way when there is no way. He is a God who is setting you up, preparing the way for you to do the good works he has for you to do. Listen, God wants to get you to where you want to go more than you want to get to where you want to go. So flip the script. In Christ Jesus, you do have what it takes. For you are God's workmanship. Creating Christ Jesus to do good works with God prepared in advance for you to do. You need to claim it. I mean, you need to put both arms around that verse and hang on and never let it go. 
And whenever you hear you don't have what it takes, say, it may be true, but in Christ I do. In Christ, I am God's workmanship. In Christ, there's good works that he's preparing the way for me to do. And so just let me be clear. You are too weak, but in him you're strong. You are too inconsistent, but his grace is sufficient. You have messed up, but his mercies are new every morning. Understand, God knows the real you, not, not the airbrush version. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows your insecurities. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And his love and grace and truth can free you from the lies that have been holding you back. Listen, as God's workmanship, you can ignore the critics. You can stop letting your failures and circumstances define you. You don't have to be perfect. And you can stop comparing. You don't have to be somebody else. You just got to be you. Understand there's nobody like you. Never has and never will be in all eternity. Billions of people, nobody like you. And that's not a testament to you. That's a testament to the God who created you. You see, you can let God's truth become the script for your life. For your God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Flip the script. Start telling yourself a different story where you find your strength and sufficiency in Christ. Listen, if you're, if you're helpless, he wants to help you. If you're hurting, he wants to hold you. If you're guilty, he wants to experience the joy of his grace. If you're disappointed and disillusioned, he wants to be your delight. If you're lost and don't know what to do, he wants to guide you with his scriptures. How can you know your role if you're not in a script, right? Crazy for an actor to show up, right, for his part in a movie, by the way, you have a subplot in God's movie, shows up, hey, I'm ready to go. Have you read the script? No. <laughs> what? You didn't read the script, right? You got to be in the script. You can't live by the script if you don't read the script. Get it? Good. Now let's read it this week, right? If you're confused, he wants to give you wisdom. If things are kind of a broken mess, he wants to come in and make something beautiful. If you feel overwhelmed, he wants to give you his peace. And if you feel like you don't have it, what it takes, but like you've been reading from this script for, for, for years and years, he wants you to read from a new script where you confidently just say, you know what? I do have what it takes because I am God's workmanship. And I am created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he prepared in advance for me to do. In Christ, I do have what it takes. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to uncover a lie. Lord, I, I know there's more than a few people in this room that have believed this lie for so long because of what maybe their mom or dad said to them, Lord. You don't have what it takes. Maybe because circumstances are really hard and they failed more times than they care to admit. 
But God, I pray today, God, that they will know that they have what it takes in you. And God, I pray for those who've been reading off the world script that they realize there's a new script written by Jesus and that he can give his life today and start reading from a different story. Amen.